0: Chapter One of Timothy Crump's Ward. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit org Recording by Sharon Kilmer. Timothy Crump's Ward by Horatio Alger. Chapter One introduces the Crumps. It was drawing towards the close of the last day of the year. A few hours more and 1836 would be no more. It was a cold day. There was no snow on the ground, but it was frozen into stiff ridges, making it uncomfortable to walk upon. The sun had been out all day, but there was little heat or comfort in its bright but frosty beams. The winter is a hard season for the poor. It multiplies their necessities while in general it limits their means and opportunities of earning. The winter of 1836-37 was far from being an exception to this rule. It was worse than usual on account of the general stagnation of business. In an humble tenement located on what was then the outskirts of New York, though today a granite warehouse stands on the spot, lived Timothy Crump, an industrious cooper. His family consisted of a wife and one child, a boy of twelve whose baptismal name was John, though invariably addressed by his companions as Jack. There was another member of the household who would be highly offended if she were not introduced in due form to the reader. This was Miss Rachel Crump, maiden sister of Uncle Tim, as he was usually designated miss rachel was not much like her brother for while the latter was a good-hearted cheerful easy man who was inclined to view the world in its sunniest aspect rachel was cynical and given to misanthropy poor rachel let us not be too hard upon thy infirmities could we lift the veil that hides the secrets of that virgin heart it might be perchance that we should find a hidden cause Far back in the days when thy cheeks were rounder and thine eyes brighter and thine aspect not quite so frosty. Ah, faithless Harry Fletcher, thou hadst some hand in that peevishness and repining which make Rachel Crump and all about her uncomfortable. Lured away by a prettier face, you left her to pass through life unblessed by that love which every female heart craves and for which no kindred love will compensate it was your faithlessness that left her to walk with repining spirit the flinny path of the old maid yes it must be said rachel crump was an old maid not from choice but hard necessity and so one by one she closed up the avenues of her heart and clothed herself with complaining as with a garment being unblessed with earthly means she had accepted the hearty invitation of her brother and became an inmate of his family where she paid her board by little services about the house and obtained sufficient needlework to replenish her wardrobe as often as there was occasion forty-five years had now rolled over her head leaving clearer traces of their presence doubtless than if her spirits had been more cheerful so that rachel whose strongly marked features never could have been handsome was now undeniably homely mrs crump fortunately for her husband's peace did not in the least resemble her sister-in-law her disposition was cheerful and she had frequent occasion to remonstrate with her upon the dark view she took of life had her temper been different It is very easy to see that she would have been continually quarreling with Rachel. But happily she was one of those women with whom it is impossible to quarrel. With her broad mantle of charity she was always seeking to cover up and extenuate the defects of her sister-in-law, though she could not help acknowledging their existence. It had been a hard winter for the cooper. For a month he had been unable to obtain work of any kind, and for the two months previous he had worked scarcely more than half the time. Unfortunately for him, his expenses for a few years back had kept such even pace with his income that he had no reserved fund to fall back upon in such a time as this. That was no fault of his. Both he and his wife had been economical enough But there are a great many things included in family expenses—rent, fuel, provisions, food, clothing, and a long list of sundries besides. And all these had cost money, of which desirable article Uncle Tim's trade furnished not a very large supply. So it happened that, as tradesmen were slow to trust, they had been obliged to part with a sofa to defray the expenses of the month of December. This article was selected because it was best convertible into cash, being wanted by a neighbor, besides being about the only article of luxury, if it could be called such, in possession of the family. As such it had been hardly used, being reserved for state occasions yet hardly had it left the house when aunt rachel began to show signs of extreme lowness of spirits and bewailed its loss as a privation of a personal comfort life's full of disappointments she groaned our paths is continually beset by em there's that sofa it's so pleasant to have one in the house when a body's sick but there it's gone and if i happen to get down as most likely I shall, for I've got a bad feeling in my stomach this very minute. I shall have to go upstairs, and most likely catch my death of cold, and that will be the end of me. Not so bad as that, I hope, said Mrs. Crump cheerfully. You know when you were sick last, you didn't want to use the sofa. You said it didn't lay comfortable. Besides, I hope before you are sick again we may be able to buy it back again. "'Aunt Rachel shook her head despondingly. "'There ain't any use in hoping that,' said she. "'Timothy's got so much behind hand that he won't be able to get up again. "'I know he won't. "'But if he manages to get steady work soon, he will. "'No, he won't. I'm sure he won't. "'There won't be any work before spring, and most likely not then.' "'You are so desponding, Aunt Rachel.' "'Enough to make me so.' if you had only taken my advice we shouldn't have come to this i don't know what advice you refer to rachel no i don't expect you do you didn't pay no attention to it that's the reason but if you'll repeat it perhaps we can profit by it yet said mrs crump with imperturbable good humor i told you you ought to be laying up something again a rainy day but that's always the way "'Folks think when times is good, it's always a-gonna be so. But I knew better.' "'I don't see how we could have been more economical,' said Mrs. Crump mildly. "'There's a hundred ways. Poor folks like us ought not to expect to have meat so often. It's frightful to think what the butcher's bill must have been the last six months.' "'Inconsistent, Rachel.' Only the day before she had made herself very uncomfortable because there was no meat for dinner, and said she couldn't live without it. Mrs. Crump might have reminded her of this, but the good woman was too kind to make the retort. She contented herself with saying that they must try to do better in the future. "'That's always the way,' muttered Rachel. "'Shut the stable door when the horse is stolen.' folks never learn from experience till it's too late to be of any use i don't see what the world was made for for my part everything goes topsy-turvy and all sorts of ways except the right way i sometimes think tain't much use living oh you'll feel better by and by rachel hark there's jack isn't it anybody might know by the noise who it is pursued rachel in the same general tone that had marked her conversation hitherto he always comes stomping along as if he was paid for making a noise anybody ought to have a cast-iron head that lives anywhere in his hearing her cheerful remarks were here broken in upon by the sudden entrance of jack who in his eagerness slammed the door behind him unheeding his mother's quiet Admonition not to make a noise. Look here, said he, displaying a quarter of a dollar. How did you get it? asked his mother. Holding horses, answered Jack. Here, take it, mother. I warrant you'll find a use for it. It comes in good time, said Mrs. Crump. We're out of flour, and I had no money to buy any. Before you take off your boots, Jack, why can't you run over to the store and get a half a dozen pounds? You see, the Lord hasn't quite forgotten us, remarked his mother as Jack started on his errand. What's a quarter of a dollar, said Rachel gloomingly? Will it carry us through the winter? It will carry us through to-night, and perhaps Timothy will have work to-morrow. Hark! That's his step. End of chapter 1